Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I am your host, Special, and on this show, I like to do one of two things. Either I'm delivering you brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with an artist to break down their latest project, and that's what we're doing today. B just joins me to break down his album, Beautiful, and we talk about every single thing, from the album artwork to the title, the concepts, and really him just being very transparent about what he was going through and how he felt making this album. Plus, of course, we talked about every single track, the producers, the features, and so much more. So let's get into it. Hi, everybody. My name is Beejus, your friendly neighborhood Beejus. I'm here to talk about my album, Beautiful, because I'm beautiful, you're beautiful. Even you ugly motherfuckers are beautiful as well. We're all beautiful on the inside. <laughs> Point blank, period. Yes. Sign still delivered. I'm so happy to have you here. This album, man, oh man. Mm. Monty and I talked about it for half a second too. Just the way that you found, it's not even your sound. You found your sound, but like your sound and your voice at the same time. Like mm -hmm. this album is such a good mixture of being like hyphy and super bay and it slaps. And then there's this other element of songwriting and you're like making almost pop songs like the hooks are so catchy infectious and gorgeous and then you're telling your story right. and you're being honest with who you are and where you're at and the things you've been through and just really giving us a bearing of your soul and that's all in this great album it's just like man Monty and I were just so happy like he did that it's so good so let's talk before we get into the album I actually wanted to ask about the time between this album and your last album, 2016's No Time But To Mob, what were those two, three years like? Those two to three years was all about transition. So, and there's no bad blood, but you know, me and my producer, oops, we kind of severed ties, you know? I mean, that was like the biggest transition, but at the same exact, same week that that happened, I went to Japan. And for people that know me, they know like travel has kind of changed my life for the better, but also the worse because it is completely taken over. Like my new passion now is travel, right? So it's been a huge transition because working with Oops, it was like an exclusive business relationship that we had. Like he made all the beats and with the beats, I was able to create like the sound and the free spirit movement and it all came from the foundation of his beat making, right? And so, you know, a lot of accolades later, a lot of years later, we decided to kind of cut business ties, right? Well, this is my family, so it's no like cutting ties altogether, but like business ties. And so that was just a, a big transition because I just wasn't used to like working without my right hand man there, you know? Like I said, then I find travel. And so there's this like big internal struggle going on with me because. I didn't really know where and what I was gonna be doing because it's like, okay, the person I was working with before, like I had all this access to a bunch of music that I could, like a blank canvas, I should say. I never really had to worry about like finding other canvases. I just had like canvases to just create. Maybe I just made this painting, I didn't like it, I could toss it, like I just, you know, had unlimited access. And so I'm like, my focus completely switched at the same time as me going through this music thing, my focus completely switched where I only was like thinking about 
the next country that I wanted to go to and like what I was going to do in this country. So I felt like it was a struggle because, you know, rest in peace to Kobe. It's like that mama mentality. You'd never want, like you never want to let the seconds in the day be wasted. Right. And so I'm in my mind thinking of 2016 Beaches. I find myself completely in like wonderlust where I'm just at work and I'm not getting anything done because I'm like fantasizing about going like to Thailand and to get out of the country. And I felt like I'm, to me at the time, I was feeling like I was wasting time, right? And so it's a major struggle. So it's like, okay, B, just stop fucking wasting time, bro. Like get back to start working on music and start, get back to start working on like the entertainment side of your life. But it was a struggle because I feel like where I was going was kind of transitioning out. That's like the major theme of what we're gonna talk about is me kind of feeling like I'm transitioning out of music and entertainment, right? And that's around like that October of 2016 is when I feel like that process started. That's a very long, I don't know if I really made sense explaining that, but like 2016, it's a major transition. That was like the theme of where my life was in those two to three years. Yeah, the transition is definitely felt on this project. The travel undertones are there, which I think is super cool. Uh But there's also kind of a psychological change that goes on in this project and just kind of like bouncing back and forth between like, I mean, honestly, I want to be here. I don't want to be here. I want to deal with things. I don't want to deal with things. I want to smoke it away. I don't. What was it like kind of bearing your soul in that aspect to really... I mean, we're going to talk about the album artwork in a second. Even that, what was that process like kind of getting deeper into that part of you? Well, the process, what it was is I was really going through all those emotions in real time. And that's why the album and the songs are so all over the place. And like even within song, I feel like in some songs, I'm talking about like some real deep like depression shit. Even in one verse, it'll be like first half of the verse is like depressing. And then second half is kind of like, Maybe it might be happy or it might be like, no, fuck this shit. You know what I'm saying? But like that was because I was really going through those emotions. And so certain songs, it was taking me a while to to write these songs. Right. And I'm talking about months of time. So it's like in December, I might be depressed, have a depressed feeling. And I'm writing these lyrics and the lyrics make sense. So they stayed. But then, you know, I couldn't figure out how to finish the verse up. So it took me two months to get done with a verse but in the meantime of these two months i found a little bit of happiness so the verse isn't done yet so now that i'm getting back to it and now it's making sense these lyrics that i'm writing i'm in a different mindset and so that's why like it's all over the place because it really represents like in the most human way like how all over the place we will be you know what i'm saying we can have our days where i want to get out of bed and i want to like go hug the world and and say what's up to everybody and be the life of the party. But there's some days where I just want to like not even speak to my own daughter. You know what I'm saying? Where I don't even want to like answer my phone for anybody. So it represents that, but in the most real time, I'm not trying to represent those. Like I'm not trying to take those feelings and like translate them into music. It was like literally what I was going through. So it's like, I might be depressed this one day and this is when this part of this verse or this part of this song is getting made. But then the next day I might be happy and now I'm continuing to make the music. That's just why it's so all over the place like that. <laughs> no, but it, it's not even all over the place. Like there's a beautiful, du- 
I'm gonna say, yeah. I'm gonna say beautiful. Pun really intended. <laughs> All the puns intended. Um, but there's a beautiful duality in it. You know what I mean? Because it's not always super depressed, and it's not always you know sunshine and rainbows. There's not only duality in these songs, but there's duality in real life. You can feel a bunch of things at the same time. And not only that, I think that the verses are interesting coping mechanisms because we're gonna feel depressed but you're also describing what gets us out of it seeing friends or going outside or you know what i mean so i think within a verse you call it all over the place but Mm -hmm. i really think it's duality and also what you can do to combat those feelings so i think that it's very well articulated and and such a great project for people to feel those emotions but not only feel them but deal with them and find ways out of them so Mm -hmm. I think you did a great job on that. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) No problem. I appreciate it. Talk about the cover art. Goodness gracious. (laughs) First, who's the artist that did it? Fuck. um, Oh, sorry. Well, no, no, no. You're good. I met her on Reddit. Her name's Jessica Smith, and I believe she's based in Tokyo. Now that you say that it's on Reddit, like I'm interested in what that thread looked like and what that looked like, and then we'll, yeah. Right. So with the cover, like I had the idea for the cover. There was two artists that I had commissioned and and paid and got final artwork, right? And realized that, like, I need something more. I didn't know what it was. You know, and these are friends of mine, so it's like, you know, I'm going to pay regardless. Like, yo, I'm going to give you whatever you charge. Like, here's the money. This is what I want. Give me the finished product. Fucking amazing, right? Then I realized something's off. So then I will go to another homie of mine, did the same thing, paid the money, got the artwork back, I'm just like, it's fucking amazing, but something is just not right. Before getting the final artwork, I was gonna still like kind of maybe go through with one of the two options that I had already, but deep down I just knew something wasn't right. But So I'm a huge uh, user, like I'm a power user on Reddit, right? Cause that's like all my time is spent on my phone on fucking Reddit. My, my girlfriend, if she hears this, would probably slap me because she fucking <laughs> hates it. On Reddit one day, and the artist Jessica Smith post a, it was a picture she did. I think she drew a picture of like a traditional Japanese like house, you know? And it was kind of like a third person, like 3D kind of looking thing, but it looked like kind of like pixelated in a sense, right? Like she's like inspired by video games, I believe. And I was like, oh, the way this art looks like, I feel like this person could execute my vision perfectly. As you see, the result was executed fucking perfectly. Like she even added, like, you know, I told her, and this is what these artistic relationships, like transactions, I should say, the perfect way where you can explain to somebody the feeling, and this is how perfect she is because I explained it through text and not voice. So I didn't really get, all the context isn't even there because you know, it's lost when you're going through text or whatever. So I explained her the concept, the undertones, the themes and things that I wanted this art to represent. And she just knocked it out of the park and added her own little spin to it. Shout out to Jessica Smith. Through text though, goodness gracious. yeah, for sure. Man, but that's kind of a conversation that's happened a couple different times on this podcast too. It's talking with people and it's like, when you find that person who's meant to do that thing for you, mm-hmm. it doesn't take much because the energy is there, the talent is there, like you don't have to do a lot of, oh, well, uh, you know what I mean? It's just, it aligns right. and it's beautiful. And- right. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> so what did you, you don't have to read it, but 
more so like what did you say to her to create that well, incredible image? Okay, so the image, I guess we should just talk about like why I even came up with this image, right? Okay, so it goes back to I don't remember the year, but it was it was after 2016. It might have been like 2017. So, you know, me and you have been talking about like how I've been like look for a new job, right? So I was going I spent like a year looking for work in the tech world because at the time I was at a job that just had me fucking miserable. I hate it. Like I've always worked jobs that had me living miserable life where it's like I'm either spending too much time making okay money, but spending way too much time at work or dealing with work that I can't like focus on my life and then my extended life, meaning like the entertainment world, right? or more time, but like no money to do the shit that I needed to do. So I've always had these fucking miserable jobs. And so I'm like, fuck, I live in the tech capital. I know a bunch of people that work in tech and they live the life, the lifestyle in tech at the time in my rose tinted glasses, it seemed like the perfect transition for me because I would get the time and the money back that I needed, right? So I spent a lot of time looking for these jobs and it took a while after about a year of looking, interviewing all the time, I realized that like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be trying to go deeper into the corporate world. Maybe I should scale back. And with a major like thing that happened that made me want to scale back and go deeper into this, back like into the entertainment world, getting away from the corporate world, I had gone to LA, me and Langston Avery, one of my best friends, he's a comedian, we went down to LA and we just had like this super successful weekend down there. Like, you know, just like in a social sense and the, like the marketing and the, you know, shaking hands and rubbing shoulders type of shit. Like we just had such an amazing weekend that I came back and I was like, okay, I'm about to change my life. And I don't know like what I'm gonna have to do. Like my what I was planning to do was to get somebody to move into my space and rent out the room like I pay a mortgage that isn't as high as like it would be if it was rent, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get somebody to move in. What they'll be thinking they'll be getting is a deal, but they don't know that they're gonna be paying my mortgage. And I'm like, that's the way it's gonna open up my life, right? And so similar, like kind of around the same time, a little bit before this, I had this like very weird mental thing happen where I took some, um, took some MDMA one night and for anybody that knows about like Molly and stuff, like it redlines your serotonin, right? And the serotonin is the happy chemical in your brain. So a lot of times, like while you're on it, you're just like the life of the fucking party. You're loving life because your happiness chemical is just is redlining. But on the back end of it, when you're done, you kind of get into this funk, this mental funk because your happiness chemical is depleted, right? So if you're already kind of like, in a depressive kind of state, that shit can backfire greatly, right? So there was a moment where I had taken the the molly and I realized 30 minutes into it that I wasn't, like it wasn't doing what it was supposed to. Like I had like felt hella good, but then immediately like it dropped and I was like, whoa, shit, like something's not right. So a couple of days after, I was just in, in this like little mental funk, right? And I was in the studio and usually what kicks off, like what triggers my like most negative thoughts is when I'm in the studio and I have writer's block. I don't know why, you know, it just, it just, it goes like, it starts with like, fuck, you can't write shit. Then it goes into this like self doubt type of thing, which then is just opens up, you know, the rabbit hole of like negative thoughts just keeps, keeps going. And 
first time and I hope only time in my life, I was like, maybe I should just fucking kill myself. Like, I'm not worth any of this shit. But then I was like, wait, whoa, what the fuck? Like, the thought was so intrusive. Like, it was a foreign thought. Like, I've never, like, I've been, like, in mental funks, but never, like, to the point where I wanted to harm myself, right? And so I was like, something's not right. Then I remember, like, oh, you took Molly the other day. That's where that's coming from. So, like, don't ever do that again. And so I would always have this thing, like, I would, you know, we hear about suicide, we hear about depression and stuff, and I was always like, if I ever got to the point where I wanted to kill myself, I wouldn't harm myself because I know what that does to, like, the family. I would just, like, do a life suicide type of thing, not a physical suicide, but it's like, okay, if you want to kill yourself, I don't mean to offend anybody because I know mental health is, like, very, very serious, but I would always look at it as, like, damn, instead of harming yourself, why don't you just throw everything away and just, like, move to the other side of the world? Like, create a suicide in that sense, like... You don't know what's on the other side, like after you blow your fucking brains out, but like you also don't really know what's on the other side of the world. So like just kind of start over. So, you know, that was my thinking. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a fucking like life suicide in a sense where I'm just going to change up everything. And then this LA trip happens. And then that's what really like got the ball rolling. And then that's when I got the concept of the album because I was already like halfway into working on the album when the LA trip happened. And so I was thinking like, the name of the album comes from that Kanye, then this can be a beautiful death, jumping out the window. That's what I feel like that represents. It's like, you know, it's a beautiful death. I'm not about to kill myself, but I'm about to like commit a like life suicide in a sense, right? So that's why I took away from that line. I don't know if that's what that line means, but that's what it meant to me. And so I'm thinking of like this concept of like, how can I, convey that message in a picture form so what i tell jessica is like you know i want it to be like a dark room to kind of represent like that mental depression because when i think about myself when i'm going in these like negative thoughts it's usually like me in my room by myself i spend a lot of time in a room by myself because my studio is an in-house studio and i have it in a room and i lock myself away right and a lot of my most negative times comes in those fucking moments and so i'm like okay let's create this like dark setting in this room and I want this lone male, doesn't have to represent me, but I just want it to be like a dark skinned male, make it look like he's blowing his brains out, but with his hand, not a gun, because I don't want it to represent real suicide. And then what I want it to do is I want it to like, you know, his, whether it be like brain chunks or whatever, like flying out of his head and splatters onto the wall to create a window. And basically that's the window that I'm jumping out of to like live the life that I want to live, you know? And so like, it was a lot of back and forth, you know, she, she got that concept down, but then like all the back and forth came from like all the little details. Kanye was a influence on the naming of the album and kind of like the concept of like committing this life suicide. So I wanted him to be represented in some sense and video games are big in my life and like the anime thing, like she threw up a Akira poster. That was her doing, that wasn't me. It was just kind of like just internet geeky kind of like sense that I'm into and like, you know, we related because we both on Reddit, you know? So yeah, like it came from something that was like very negative that I'm trying to use and channel into something like a little bit more positive, you know? I still don't understand how she even like was able to execute that shit so fucking beautifully, pun intended. But when I saw like every 
rendition, like, like every little update she gave, I'm like, it's just getting better and better and better. And once she finally gave me that like final, I'm like, I can't wait for people to see this shit. And I had to sit on that fucking album <laughs> cover for like six months. And I'm like, oh my gosh, but I could not wait to the day that I announced it. And it had the reaction that I knew it was gonna have. Man, man, yeah. man. The life suicide portion is so powerful. Like yeah. that thought process is so powerful, but also like I'm looking at my questions list and I'm like, okay, that concept of life suicide answers so many questions that I have about <laughs> this album. It's like, oh, okay, right. that's what you were saying because there is a mixture of the way that you put things and and being depressed and things like that, but also making change. So I think that that even helps with the duality of it too, because it's like you're dealing with depression, but you're also dealing with making changes and coping, and that's the life suicide that you're describing. So right. it just comes full circle for me so oh man making that ultimate sacrifice to live the life i want to live that's like the bullet point of the theme of this album now we're just gonna hop into the track for sure the first track hot chips and salami mm-hmm. uh, voice gone i'ma still fucking ride and i didn't even smoke but i'm still fucking high she way out of my league i'ma still fucking try always ain't big can't let life pass you by no fun shit i'ma keep it up that's what i need to fucking function don't excuse my language i'ma speak it how i want and you should try it too i'm a rendezvous with my niggas now i got the juice who the fuck is you watch these niggas switch watch these bitches too how did you know that that was the first track and when did you realize that it was? So I knew that that was going to be the first track as soon as I was working on it. While I'm like coming up with the lyrics, I knew that it, was, it wasn't going to have a hook. And I've always liked my first songs to just be kind of like a, let's just bar this shit up. And I kind of took that idea from Lil Wayne. I feel like a lot of his albums, like that first song is just kind of like, I'm going to bar you to death and not give you any type of hook. It's not going to be any structure. That's where I was going with that song. And so like, you know, maybe halfway through the song, I was like, okay, I don't know what this is gonna go on. The other thing about this album, why I feel like it's all over the place is because I was working on these songs before I had a concept of the album. A lot of these songs were just kind of like one-offs until I kind of like had the idea to like formulate an album. And that's when things just kind of like magically fell into place. So I was just kind of working on this song just because I had the beat and, you know, shout out to Fabes, I had the beat. And was like writing it and I was like, okay, well, no matter what this is, is if it goes on a project, it's gonna be the intro. No matter what the project is. So I just knew that it was like an intro song. Just having fun with it. Love when people start their projects just rapping their ass off. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, we're in this fuck yeah. Like right. it just it gets you juice. And then whose voice is that at the end? That's Anthony Dragon. We didn't get to flesh this idea out as much as I wanted to, but Anthony Dragon plays the voice in my head. I could say that we could have done a lot better job of like getting that concept and that idea across, you know, but it ultimately fell to like just the timing. If I could have like put more like, you know, four more months of time into the album or like waited for it to come out, that idea would have got fleshed out more. Um, But Anthony Dragons is like the voice in my head. So he is like basically (laughs) the concept that I wanted to get is that this dude is trapped in my head. He's kind of like, why the fuck am I in Brandon's head right now? You know what I'm saying? But he's speaking my thoughts, but he's speaking my thoughts as Anthony Dragon. So he's not just like a voice, but he's like literally Anthony Dragon's in my head, but speaking my thoughts through his his way of thinking. <laughs> but see, that's the thing. It's like, we didn't really get to flesh the idea out as much. It works, but 
people don't really realize that he's like the voice in my head. I just think he's just like Anthony Dragons talking on the track. Yeah. Yeah, I almost got the feel that he was like the narrator because especially to the first two tracks, he comes in on both of them. And then kind of as the third one, you're like, wait, where is he? And then eventually he comes back. But I think he just did such a good job at the comic relief, but also right. keeping it super Bay. Like, there's so many Bay references in the shit that he says. And, uh-huh. and But also just being real and true. And I think you saying that him being a voice in your head really kind of ties that together, too. Like, it makes sense and you could hear it in the project. So now when I go back, I'm like, oh, okay, he's trapped in your head. Like, right. I think that that's a super cool concept because we hear narrators all the time. We hear different iterations of what that looks like but to be trapped in your head like that's dope yeah there was one recording that i wanted to do where it's like he's like okay let me the fuck out you know what i said but we just didn't get around to doing it that's the only regret i have and i don't really really live with regrets but i'm just open about things that's the one regret is that we didn't get to like flesh that idea that's the only thing i would go back and change about that album is really go in and add more of the narration and just kind of like get that concept that my thoughts are coming through him yeah i love it so much <laughs> then we get to the second track a win mm-hmm. oh still got the footwork still one of the finest thinkers on this good earth busy mind see clear though got no time to be fucking with these weirdos Ooh, stupid niggas talk the loudest And the worst hearted ones be the proudest Can't relate, so I made my address cloud nine Cause I got no business staying grounded Fuck all that humble shit, flip it and bubble it Way too solid, no crumbling, 96 troublesome Got my dub all in the air like I'm a thug And I represent everything you revel in I can feel great about my- I have to thank you for naming it Owen Because <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that <laughs> Makes my life a little bit easier <laughs> Also in the title, you have in parentheses the rim. And there's a couple different tracks on this project that have parentheses. To me, it was a form of storytelling and the different parts of a story. What was the thought process behind putting the parentheses and telling the story that way? And what does the rim mean? Right. So it is storytelling. And it was just basically the songs that have the parentheses to me, they represent moving the the story forward in a sense, you know what I'm saying? So it kind of like just represents where I am in my head at the time of the album, you know? So the REM is basically the REM, the sleep, the part of sleep, the REM sleep, the the heaviest part, you know? And so that's why at at the very end, the alarm clock goes off and I realize, fuck, I was dreaming. So basically song one and two are me being asleep. And that's why like, I'm so happy. I'm not talking too much about like depressive type of shit until kind of like towards the end of Owen, you know? And so I was like, I basically those two songs represent me just dreaming. And then like, I'm just having this like perfect day in Oakland, you know what I'm saying? Riding around with my homies and shit. And then like Anthony comes in and like, it kind of represents like, you know, I'm dreaming that I'm like riding around in the East, you know what I'm saying? And so then the alarm clock goes off and then I realized, fuck, I was dreaming. And then now I got to wake up and go to this whack ass fucking job. Goodness gracious, you talk about how you feel like this project is all over the place and is random, but the concepts are <laughs> deep as fuck and super cool. Like, I'm just like, what? <laughs> Owen, of course, produced by Spencer Stevens, correct? Mm-hmm. How'd you team up with him? So I was randomly in Tahoe one weekend, and he was out there doing a lot of production for All Black and their team right so they just kind of like that concept of like let's go to another place rent out some shit just 
banging all out. And so um, there's a couple of songs that were actually inspired by that weekend because I didn't work on any music, but I was just there just kind of like, you know, just soaking it all in. And me and Spence, we didn't have any time to work on anything. And so as soon as we got back, I was like, yo, I need some beats. So like the next week he came over and, and dropped off a couple of beats and that was one of them. And I think that one was such a perfect single because it has such a mixture of your sound, where you're at. It, it's just a, a great definition of you. What was the thought process behind making that the single? I don't know. I just thought it was a strong song. Like Slide was something I had already put out months prior and Slide would have been the single, like the leading single. But because I already put it out, I needed another song and I felt like O.N. was like the only, to me, it was the only other song that was like upbeat enough that could like work as a single, you know? And the video is super fun too. I can Thank tell you. you guys had a great time. You know, the crazy thing is I had just gotten my fucking wisdom teeth taken out the day before that. Oh, shit. So I was like on some heavy fucking painkillers. Not in the sense of like, well, let's pop these Percocets in because I don't fuck with that shit at all. But like I was in a fucking daze doing that shit. Don't do drugs, kids. I'm talking about this was medically given because I got my fucking, <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't look like a chipmunk. Goodness. <laughs> Talk about resilience. <laughs> Photo shoes with the wisdom teeth out. That's what. That's the part they don't tell you about, right. kids. <laughs> For real. Man. Literally the day before I had gotten taken out. <laughs> I had to do it twice and it's no joke. I hate that I, shit. I was just laid up like, blah. Nope, yeah. not doing nothing. You right. shot a whole ass video. Right. And I was drinking Hennessy, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, kids, they say not to drink don't. when on prescription drugs. Don't do it. Please don't follow my lead. Please. Oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> then we get to In My Mind mm -hmm. featuring Derek Pope. I think I need to hang out with my smiling friends. Uh, with my smiling friends. Oh, yeah, with my smiling friends. Think they'll help me find my friends. The way he brings it together. Yeah. Crazy. How'd you team up with him? So him and his manager, Fareed, are good friends. And I mean, me and Derek are good friends as well. And so usually, like, if I go down to L.A., I'll try to link up with him, get him on the podcast, and vice versa. So he came up to San Francisco, and, you know, Derek is from Oakland, so he, but he lives in L.A., so he was just coming up for, like, a weekend, and Fareed hit me like, yo, let's knock out a podcast with Derek. He's going to be up here, and if you got any music, like, you know, we can jump on some shit. And Derek makes a lot of, like, you know, real cerebral type of music. You can tell he's a real, like, in his head type of person as well, you know? And that song, I had the hook and the verse already created. Ian McKee is the producer. And me and Ian have a good working relationship where, you know, it's just like, B, come through to the studio. Let's just, you know, create some shit. So me and him have a lot of shit where it's just, like, practice, where he's just making a beat real quick and I'll make a verse real quick and then, like, throw it on. But I, I believe this beat was had already been made but it was just one of those things where I came like using studio time, using the time to just build with a homie. And that hook and that verse came out of that. And I had that, I was sitting on it, I was working on a second verse. And then when Fareed had hit me up, like Derek is coming, I was like, oh, this is actually perfect. 
because I hate to like pigeonhole my homie into like that depression type of rap, but that nigga be making some depression type of shit, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, this is actually perfect for him. Like the beat is great. Like he very melodic. And so I sent it through and he fucked with it. I believe he wrote it like he was like on the, you know, the mega bus up or whatever. He like wrote it on the bus ride up. And when he laid it down, it was just like, oh, this is fucking great. I love that you said, I don't want to put my homie into this depressing because as people who think a lot about other people and like don't want to impose or kind of sensitive of other people's mindset to be like, you do write depressing music, but like if you're in a good mood, I don't want to depress right. you, but you are perfect for this. Track. <laughs> right, exactly. so I think that that's such an important plot point of it. Yeah. And another thing on In My Mind, one of my favorite parts is you talk about the importance of sunshine and we talked about, you know, coping mechanisms and just how to deal with the depression. And I think, at least for me personally, sunshine is such an important part of just feeling better. Can you talk a little bit about that realization and and what that means to you? Well, I've always branded myself around sunshine. You know what I'm saying? Because I've always wanted to be like, the bright person in people's lives. I've always wanted to represent that, right? Once I figured out like this free spirit thing, like that album is sunshine and free and free living. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like I've always like associated myself. Like when when I'm posting promo stuff on Instagram, not even just promo shit. A lot of my captions will have the sun in it, you know. And so I've always loved the sun. I've always loved summer. I've always loved hot weather. I do not like the cold. I've always like rain puts me in depressive state. Like even when I was a kid, like I remember there was one time, I still don't even know like why this happened, but I was going to school, I was like elementary school, so like maybe like fifth grade, fourth grade, was on the bus, it was raining hella hard. I always hated, my mood was always in the worst mood when I had to be in like the pouring rain. And it was one of those mornings, got up, got on the bus, I took two buses to school. So I got on the first bus, then, got to MacArthur Bar to transfer to the 6th, which would take me all the way up to the Oakland Hills. So I got off at MacArthur Bar and I was like, I'm not feeling it. I immediately went to the payphone and called my grandma. I was just fucking bawling. Granny, can you please come pick me up? I didn't know why I was crying. Do not know why. So like, I do have like that seasonal mood shit, right? So the sun is just always represented fun, happiness, like warmth. I've always had that like good association with the sun. Whenever I retire, I'm moving to somewhere where it's sunny all the fucking time, you know? So that's just been my association with it. So like that line in that song, it's like, I feel like I'm a recluse. I need to get in the sun type of shit. It's just like, I've been cooped up in the house too much. And I feel like that's when I'm like always thinking too much is when I'm in the house by myself, you know? It's just too much time to fucking think, you know? So it's just like, I need to get out in the sun more. It's a small thing, but it's ridiculously important. It is. Man. It really is. Then we get to number four, Player Way. Talking to myself though, feeling special. Still cutthroat, still rep the fucking ghetto. Still got a potty mouth and you cannot excuse it. Won't identify with anybody losing. Look, I've been the shit. There's a lady's voice in the background kind of doing your double ups. Mm-hmm. Who is that? That's my homie Jackie, Jackie Campbell. The interesting thing is she's never sung in a studio before. 
like she can sing, you know, but she just has never like done it. So that was like her first time ever being like in the studio. And that was a learning process for me too, because I know how to record myself, but I've never like been formally taught anything, you know? So like trying to help her, like I don't know notes and shit, you know what I'm saying? So trying to like help her match and things like because she can sing, but it's just, you know, it's a different thing when you're coming in and like first time getting in front of a fucking mic and the nervousness of that, but then also trying to like match the tone of the other person who really can't sing, you know? So I can, I can hold a note, but like, I'm not a fucking singer, you know what I'm saying? So trying to like Jimmy rig all that shit was a, a learning experience and an interesting one as well. But it was a fun time and like she's really proud, you know, and like that makes me feel happy that I could like provide that experience for her. And like she was there at the listening party and I could tell she was really proud and stuff, you know, so shout out to Jackie. Another important part of that song is we live in the Bay Area, a lot of players, a lot of pimps, <laughs> all that stuff. A lot of people are even influenced by the amazing sugar free and, and stuff like that with that song was there anybody in particular that you were channeling no nah, not at all the producer of that is k fisher and he produces a lot of larry june music right and so there was a song that he had came out with that i really really liked and i do not remember exactly which one it was but k fisher had produced it he had dropped a video for it and you know, he tagged k fisher on the the shit and i was like oh that shit is dope. Like, let me hit him up for some production. And bro was really responsive. You know, one of the things like I love about certain people in the music industry, like I've had more interactions with bitch ass niggas than I've had with non bitch ass niggas. So when I come and meet somebody that's real genuine and it's like responsive, whether to like a email or to a DM, that shit goes a long way. So I think I sent him an email. I think he had his email on the Instagram and he responded and I was like this nigga is making music like beats for for Larry June I'm thinking he's gonna be like on some clout shit you know that's his the type of motherfuckers I'm used to I'm very like bitter about my interactions with the people within the music industry so when I just get a response from people it goes a long way so you know he responded he sent me the beat that fucking song took me like two fucking years to finally come out with something it was just one of those things where it's like, I know this is gonna be a good song because the beat claps. And a lot of times, like, when I know a song's gonna be good, it takes me a long time to like even start it because I just, I want it to be fucking perfect. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of those ones. And that's another one that like was a struggle because of the fucking travel shit. Like I've got that beat, I wanna say not too long after I put out No Time But To Mob. I remember like thinking like all oh, this dude's about to like think I'm a fucking cat because it's just been it's been taking me so long to get this shit done. But luckily K Fish is a real stand up dude, you know what I'm saying? I paid for the shit so he never gave it away. I know I've heard horror stories about producers, they'll sell you a beat and you take a minute to put it out because artists take their fucking time and they give it to somebody else. That was one of the things I was really worried about. It was like he gave me Jug on the beat, and I was like, this nigga's going, he going to give it to somebody else. Like, I'm going to hear Larry June rapping on this shit. <laughs> but luckily, he's a stand-up individual, and he didn't do none of that shit. And once I finally hit him up, like, yo, I finally got, like, a concept. I finally, like, am done with this shit. Let me send you the very, very rough. I don't know this dude, you know what I'm saying? He sent it back, like, bro, that shit is tight. So that gave me even more fire to, like, spruce that shit up and, and make it better, you know? I love that, though, because we talked about getting out of your comfort zone 
And sometimes, and hopefully most times, getting out of your comfort zone, it pays off. And it's like, oh, wow, I met somebody who's super dope who could have been this crazy clout-chasing asshole, but he responded, he loved it, he was with it. He's even gone, I'm sorry to cut you off, but he's even, like, gone out of his way to, like, promote the shit, you know? Because, I mean, he's an artist as well, so, of course, he's trying to, like, promote the song. So he produces a lot for Larry June. So it's like his feed is always, like, Larry June song, Larry June song, Larry June song, random song from some artist I don't know. Beejus song, you know what I'm saying? So like, I just, I don't know, I've never met this dude before, it's all been through emails and like DMs and shit, but he just, you know, from what I know, he's a stand-up individual just trying to get it and make it in this fucking world, you know? That's beautiful, all pun intended. (laughs) But it really is, because like you said, there's so many people in the industry who just don't write back or just do dumb stuff, and it's like, oh man, it's, it's a good feeling when, when it's good people. It's refreshing, for sure. You said two years. That's so interesting that when you know it's going to be a good song, it takes you longer. I've, right. I've never heard that before, but it does make sense. You're like, I, I know this is going to be great, but I got to get there. Right. And I, I think that that's not only so important for you to know as part of your process, but I think it's important for other people to hear, too, because I can only imagine that other people feel that same way and right. I like that a lot. I mean, I probably, I think I might have might have made three songs to that beat. But it's just like, this isn't it. I know it's not it and I could like rush it out, but like, what's the point, you know? Once it finally clicked, I was like, okay, this is it, this is it. And I feel like it's a respectable player song. That's the, that's the funny thing is, and that's the reason why the video is how the video is, where it's like, starts off with me waking up getting woken up from a phone call from a girl that's kind of like like representing my girlfriend, right? And we just spend this whole day together in the house. We're not dressed up. We're not doing anything crazy. It's just like very like boring, right? And then I sneak off when she's asleep to go make this music video for this song about being a player. And then while I'm at the music video, like now I'm all done up and like in the music video, she interrupts the video. Like, this is what the fuck you doing? You left me at the house to come do this shit. So it's like a very humbling type of thing where it's like, I'm really living a very like mundane, I don't want to say mundane cause my fucking life is fucking amazing. But like compared to like rappers, like, you know, in the rapper sense, it's like, I'm living a very normal life. And so like, I'm kind of fronting making a song about being a player. Like, I've had my player ways, but, like, right now I'm not living this player lifestyle. So, like, how can I, like, convey that in a music sit? So, it's yeah, I thought it would just be funny. It's like, yeah, you live in this mundane-ass life, but then you're about to go leave your girlfriend at home sleep to go, like, front in front of a camera that you're a fucking player, and then this is what you get because now she busting your ass out, you know? That's one of my favorite music videos just because of the concept of, like, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I just love that fucking video. You guys killed it. Then we get to track five, mm-hmm. My Fly Away, produced by Drew Banger. Free spirit niggas make the world go round. Uh, guess who's back in the motherfucking house with a fat dick? It's me, bitch, be just back up on my hood rat shit. I might go back to fucking hood rats. <laughs> like I told you, free spirit niggas global doing backflips up in the ocean. Golden, dipping yoking in the 97 Honda Civic. Don't talk to me right now, I'm tripping. Drew Bang on the beat to make the hoes do something. Prove nothing, been a factor, and that's forever after. Been Mac and no fair. Shout out to Drew. The man um, is just out of this world. Yeah. What was it like working with him? Well, me and him have worked on 
a number of things. In this instance, was another one of those like he had sent me the beat, you know, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. That first verse is something that I made very quickly. It was like it just came to me, wrote it, recorded it. The hook took me fucking forever. I had so, I probably wrote a thousand fucking hooks to that. And that's an over-exaggeration, but probably like 50 hooks to that, you know? I just, I just couldn't find one that stuck. But I wanted to keep that first verse to me I thought was dope. And I sent it back to Drew. I think he was like in the studio. Like I for sure, like Chose had tweeted me like a line from that first verse. And I was like, bro, you fucking gassed this shit. When the fuck is this coming out? I'm like, it's gonna come out when it comes out. And that's another thing, that's a song that took forever for me to finish just because I didn't have the, I don't know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get it. Making verses, making hooks, I just, I couldn't get it. And then finally things just started to click. I'm 100% transparent about my shit. I don't like that song. Wow. And it almost didn't make it onto the album. And that's the one song on the album that I skip. <laughs> that's probably not good for me to say, like trying to sell this, you know what I'm saying? It's but real though. I'm just completely transparent. I just, I don't know. It's just, I don't like the song. But it stayed because when I would let people listen to the album, I would tell them like, you know, I, this is the song I don't like. But I would tell them after they would listen or like either after they would listen to the whole album or after the song would go off. Cause I didn't want to like cloud the judgment of the shit, but I would, you know, tell them like, I don't like that shit and unanimously people were telling me I was tripping. So that's the reason why I kept it in because everybody whose opinion I, I hold high telling me that I was tripping. Like, they, oh, I understand because everybody was artists, you know, they they know the struggle. They're like, I understand and like, it's up to you if you're gonna keep it on, but I think you're tripping. So that's the reason why I stayed. And even you're like, what the fuck? No, it's so crazy because even like the next thing that I had written down was just how Catchy has a strange connotation, but like it's one of those songs where I read the title or somebody says the title and uh -huh. it starts playing in my head. You talk about how many hooks you went through, but that hook is so good because somebody says my fly away, like my fly, like you, you just go into it. <laughs> right, so I'm, right. that's shocking to me. Yeah, wow. I don't know. It's just the struggle of an artist, you know, it's just we have our own connection to this, to the music that nobody would ever be able to understand. Even when you're an artist, you can understand how nobody can understand it, but it's like certain artists would tell me that they hate certain songs of theirs. I'm like, I fucking love that song. What are you talking about? I can't explain to you why I don't like that song, but like, that's the song you'll probably never see me perform. <laughs> <laughs> that always reminds me of too, um, I don't know if you've seen it, but De La Soul, uh -huh. when they perform, they go, we hate this song, you love this song, like, because they're just so tired of fucking doing it. And, right. and I mean, that's real. There's gonna be songs in people's catalogs that they don't personally like. And I think that there's a truth in that. And like I said before, I think it's important for people to hear that, especially creatives, to know that you can make something great and not necessarily love it, but still put it out to people and still put it on the project, but you skip it. <laughs> right, yeah, I should get skipped every time. No disrespect to Drew or not, because no. I don't want it to come off like that, but it's just, just me personally. I don't know, I don't know why. Like, that was the song that took me the longest to make out of the album. And yeah, I don't know. It's just that motherfucker get a hard pass for me. <laughs> I'm not mad at it though. I like the song, but I'm not mad at the honesty. Goodness. Oh, then we get to the title track, Beautiful. <laughs> Ego be boosting. Yeah. Shout out my drugs, they lift me up. I'm booming. I'm booming. 
free spirit niggas make the world keep moving. Full of myself, get my cake, eat too, y'all do. Spencer Stevens again. Right, same batch as the ONB. I was going to ask about the line, I woke up in a life I didn't have. Is it have to live or have to love? Have to live. Okay. I'm like, yeah. I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that, but I feel like it just comes down to the life suicide and what you explained earlier about, okay, instead of killing myself, I'm just going to start the life over. And, and that's really what that song embodies is just like, oh, no, we're switching everything up. We're starting over. What was it like making that song, especially with, the concept that you had in mind for the whole album. That shit was hard. When I was making it, that was the poster child of that concept I was saying earlier, where it's like you start it and you're in one mood, then you continue it and you're in another mood, continue it again and you're in a whole nother mood, finish it, you're in a different mood, you know what I'm saying? And so I went through a lot of emotions writing that shit. And then it was also like, you know, that line, I'm not even gonna be able to recite my own lyric, but it's basically like, how am I gonna rap this shit if it's like, I know it claps and all this shit, but how am I gonna rap it if I'm talking about my feelings? Like, how am I, how are y'all gonna dance to it? And that's been a major struggle throughout my entire like music career because it's always been hella positive because I was scared that nobody wants to hear this fucking depressive shit. Like I had a mask on throughout a lot of my shit. I've, a lot of my music career has been bad, like sad ass beaches, you know what I'm saying? But I'm only sad when I'm like in the studio, like by myself in the house, you know what I'm saying? But I never wanted to push negative like thoughts in my stuff because I never thought anybody could like re not relate to it, but you niggas ain't gonna dance to somebody singing about how fucking sad they are or whatever, right? That song to me was special and like halfway through it, I realized it was gonna be the title track and it was gonna be like represent and just like the entire theme of the album you know, when you're talking about like deep ass shit and really, really opening up and being vulnerable, it's a weird concept because it's like people are going to hear this shit. I don't know how they're going to interpret it. Like I was still stuck on that. Like nobody wants to hear that depression shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like I was struggling making that song. I was like, damn, do I want to be happy? Should I like, I don't know. I was all over the place with that song, you know? And then like another thing, some of these songs I was using Adderall to like kind of get over this fucking writer's block that I had so like that's where that I started off as ego be boosting shout out my drugs and lift me up I'm, I'm booming and I was like on Adderall at the time when I wrote it and I was like shout out to this fucking drug because I fucking hated my life five minutes ago but now that this fucking Adderall is kicked in it's like helped me kind of get over the bullshit I was feeling at the time and I'm feeling amazing right now that literally in real time I wrote that because I'm like wow like it feels really good right now, you know what I'm saying? And so, but then that verse, it's like, I'm talking about I'm up, I'm hella happy, but then when it comes down, and at the very end of that verse, like I talk about like it all wears off, and then like, fuck, now I'm back to like being hella depressed. That song is a beautiful song, and it is one of my favorites because it just represents that struggle, and it's kind of like, I'm not afraid to talk about the negative shit anymore. I don't have to like hide behind this kind of like positive mask that I I'll forever have on, you know? Yeah. It not only completely embodies the project, but it completely embodies where you're at with music. I think just saying like, I know this shit clap, but do you feel me? Is so important, especially when it comes to vulnerability and, and not knowing if people want to hear that. Have you been shocked by the response that this album has gotten? No, 
Not really, because the music's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I knew it would resonate with people. I knew that the music is good. Like, if I didn't think it was good, I wouldn't have put it out. But it's always good to know that people are, like, listening and, like, and fucking with it, you know? Because, you know, I put out stuff that I know that it didn't resonate with people, and that fucking, that should be cutting deep, you know what I'm saying? To know that it's, like, resonating with people and people are fucking with it, like, that, of course, it makes me feel great. Then we get some mercy. Featuring Turk. Now you'll never fall, you'll never fall. Don't acknowledge the struggle, we hella ball. Captain of my team. Wait, where the fuck's my team at? Drowning all my problems away. Where the fuck's the heme at? See, I don't wanna lose control. So I learned the art of letting go. Oh, 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 Captain of the team. King without a queen. Born into a dream. Left within a week. Introduce us to Turk. So Turk is, first off, an amazing artist. Fucking dope as hell. He is very, very good friends with Ian McKee. And so I met him at Ian McKee's house. So when I would go to Ian's and it's like a building session, Turk is usually there as well. It's usually like a a three-person thing that when I would go, he always would like invite me, but he also invites Turk as well. And I love being in a studio and seeing when we're like, you know, I'm sitting here, he's sitting over there, the, the beat's playing, and we're like in our own like world, like trying to come up with shit. I cannot wait to hear what he gets in the studio and does because it's always so fucking dope. And his voice is hella tight. The concepts that he comes up with, and me and him are always seem to be like in sync on shit. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is about that fucking studio with Ian, but he, there's been many times where I've been in the studio, completely different sides of the room with somebody. We're not talking about anything about like where we're going and then we get in the booth and it just fucking matches that's alignment it's alignment and i fucking love it there's a song with me and monty draper i think it's called fuck your feelings but it's the same type of thing where it's like the beat is very unorthodox there's nothing i would have ever picked like for my own right but ian makes it and we're just like okay this is what we write and then it's like really unorthodox like it took me a while to kind of like catch the beat and I'm over here fucking struggling. But I, it looked like Monty's making headway on his verse. So I didn't want to be the one to be like, bro, I can't, I can't do this shit. And so I just like, okay, I said, fuck, I kept my head down, like kept coming up with the lyrics, finally finished my verse. Monty finished his verse. Song came out fucking amazing. But the funny thing is, Monty was going through the same thing. So we talked about it afterwards. And Monty was like, bro, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to do this shit. But I looked up and it looked like you was like making progress. So I couldn't give up, you know? It just came together so fucking well. So like me and Turk have had many of the same type of interactions while being at Ian McKee's house. I'm trying to think like that first. So the first verse was written at Ian's studio with Turk there with the beat playing um, and like that line of like I had a job interview today skip that shit that line I kind of tweaked but I had just come from a job interview you know what I'm saying so like I had like wrote that then Turkey got that hook I eventually made the second verse like months afterwards all these songs kind of like have been like a long process and I say all over the place I don't mean it like in the bad sense but it's just like I've made them in so many different parts of my life and like different times and like mindsets. It just represents. And I feel like Mercy is one of those songs where it kind of like starts off kind of depressive, you know, but then it kind of like goes into other things. And that's another one of those songs that, well, at least the second verse, it's another song that was 
inspired by that time I was in Tahoe with All Black and, and the rest of his crew. I wasn't working on music with them, but like everybody's working. So I was just kind of like in my own little corner doing my own thing. And that second verse, the majority of it was written while I was in Tahoe then. And I love that at the beginning of that song, you're kind of just talking and talking about how you didn't quite get it. And now that we've had this conversation, you've mentioned a lot of times in some of these songs, it, it just didn't quite fit or it didn't click, but eventually you got there. Why was it important for you to keep that at the beginning? I don't know. I debated taking it out because I was like, I don't know. It's just one of those things like I'm, niggas don't want to hear me talking about depressive shit. You know what I'm saying? And I felt like I've sounded so unsure of myself. And I was like, that's not what I need to have in. But I ended up keeping it. But it wasn't really like a thought behind why I kept it. It was just like, that's what I felt at the time. And like, my whole thing is like, just trying to be transparent with how I feel when I fuck up. The whole concept behind my podcast is like, the fuck ups are going to stay. That's just like a part of life. It's like, okay, maybe I was unsure of myself at the time. And that's just the real emotion that I was feeling. So let's just keep it, you know? And another fun fact is my dad was there when I recorded the second verse and like finished the majority of it. The hook I came back and did, I went back and did a couple of vocals like on the first verse, that little uh, thing at the very beginning of the song was recorded then, the whole second verse was recorded. And that was the first time in a long time that my dad was like a part of the process. Even his voice is on some, you don't know it. When I say, uh, had a job interview today, skip that shit. He said, skip that shit under, but you don't know it because yes. Ian had kind of took his voice and kind of like made it more into like a synthesized sound, you know, and he has some other like vocals back behind there as well, but you don't know because it's, it just sounds like the beat rather than somebody like backing my vocals. And not only love under notes, but just that connection to bring him in and, and make him a part of a process. Yeah, okay. shout out to my dad. Yes. Then we get to slide. I said, any, 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 many, many, Which one? Hey, <laughs> shout out to the ghetto children. I'ma really change the world, bitch, this how I'm living. Got a vision with ambition and can tell the difference between a nigga talking loud or one who really get it. Free baby James and Scooby. R.I.P. Dame and Duty. We are not the same, excuse me. Back the fuck up, I need a few feet. Do you think you really better than us? Absolutely. Without question, without blessing. Do anything I want, no second guessing. Anything. Seen my ups, lit my downs, rep my town. I wish my young self could see me now. Since you never took as many real losses as me, you should shut the fuck up when you hear me speak. Still knock a bad chick in some dirty ass shoes. I ain't worried about nothing. Super fun, confident, but there's also a detachment. Mm -hmm. Kind of just saying like, all right, that's you guys. I'm this, and like, yeah, I'm kind of better than you, and, and that confidence in there. What was it like writing that one? Um, okay, so this one, not going off of what you just said, but this song was the one song that was the most inspired by that Tahoe trip. Nice. So I'm in Tahoe, and at the time, I was fucked up, I was drunk as hell, and the producer, Wade 08, I don't know if he saw that I was also in Tahoe with them, I'm not sure, but he randomly hit me up. He's like, bro, I'm about to send you some beats. So I don't know if he was trying to like, you know, like B's there, let me like send him some beats and hopefully like they're working on music and then one of mine will get picked to like go. But that's something that all black could rap on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like it just fit the shit. And so the energy of that house is really channeled into that song slide. Mm. And it was also an Adderall inspired song as well and i'm not i'm really not trying to 
condone the, <laughs> the drug use, but I'm just being completely transparent. Yeah. But that was just a fun fucking song. You know what I'm saying? It was one of those ones that kind of, it took me a while to like start, like my biggest struggle with music is how to start verses or how to start songs, you know? Um, so it was one of those ones that kind of took me a minute, but once it started, it was just like, it was fucking word vomit after that. You know, it was just a very, very fun song. I started that song off, you know, cause All Black has a very distinct like style of rap. And I feel like a lot of Bay Area rappers have taken his cadence, right? But I was like, how would All Black slide on this song? Like, how would he rap on this song? So that's kind of like the shout out to the ghetto children. I'ma really change the world, bitches, how I'm living. That's just kind of like, it was my interpretation on like, if I was to write a song for All Black, that was like first couple of rap stop, rap stop, rap stop. I was just kind of channeling like, how would he slide on this beat? And so that's why those first couple of bars kind of like, to me, I don't think it sounds anything like an All Black style, but like, to me, that was just me interpreting like his style in my own way. It just embodied that energy so much. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna make kind of like a hood song, you feel me? So and it was like a couple of days after being out there with them, that's where the, the energy came from for that song. That's such a cool exercise though, to say, okay, how would he approach this, but still keep it me. Then we get to Sundays in Osaka. <laughs> <laughs> Look, on Friday, we were drunker than we needed to be. On Saturday, we got higher than the birds could see. On Sunday, we went to Osaka. <laughs> uh, can't you tell that life's so grand? The bitch can't define what I am. Can't you smell that beach been cooking out of the fire to the pan? My goodness. <laughs> I mean this with all due respect. It's almost a Katy Perry song. Like, it's such a pop banger. It's crazy. It's catchy. It's fun. Like, it's just, man. And I feel like, you know, if Osaka had a theme song, like, this would be <laughs> it. Like, they, they need this. Like, why don't they have this? How, 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 how did you approach that? Because you killed it. Thank man. You. Shout out to Ryman, who is the producer. He is uh, a part of the Trey Coastal group, some of my very good friends. He, at the time of making that beat, he was in Asia. He was actually in Osaka. The name of the song is the name of the beat called Sundays in Osaka. Oh, wow. So he made that on a Sunday while he was in Osaka. That's one of and my favorite things because I know producers name stuff wild things. Right, and, exactly. and when the artist actually runs with it, it makes me so happy. Yeah, it was yes. just a perfect thing. But so it's like a very, like a, a revolving door of inspiration. So in 2017, I did this big fucking solo trip to Thailand, right? And then when I got back, I recorded a five-hour recap podcast episode, right? So Ryman, she was doing this like three-month Asia trip. And so he listened to my podcast episode and was like, bro, that shit was fucking dope. Like, I, you know, I mean, we, me and him are very good friends. We were good friends before this. But he's just like, you know, that shit was fucking dope. That's exactly what I needed to hear about going to Asia. And so when he's out there he's you know of course he brought his shit to work on music made the beat he's like bro i got a, a beat for you and i made it while i'm out here in, in tokyo i'm like send that shit through sent it to me called sundays in osaka got the beat turned it on and that hook just came to me right away yes. right away and then like i said i had this big transition of 
the travel has kind of taken over my life. You know, it's like all I think about. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm really, really big on travel. So like, let's just make this the travel song, you know? I just really, really channeled that whole thing. So like first verse was to me was channeling the Japan trip that I took to Tokyo. Second verse was channeling the energy that I got from being in Thailand. You know, at the time, those was just like the two major fucking trips I had taken. It was very, very fun to make because I was reliving these like very, very life-changing, happy moments in my life, you know? And so I just was channeling that energy into music forms. I love that each verse was inspired by a different place. Yeah. That's super cool. <laughs> right Man just got back from another Asia trip, right? I believe so. Yeah, I was yeah. talking to him briefly about that and just how cool that experience was. Like, okay, I'm convinced now that I need to go to Thailand because everybody who goes there is just like, it's beautiful, it's incredible, it's everything. It's ruined my life. <laughs> <laughs> It'll ruin your life. It's like all of Southeast Asia, not even just Thailand, Southeast Asia is something else and the world is so fucking big and there's so many places that i want to see but i cannot get past going to southeast asia it's fucking crazy it's like europe i'll be there one day africa i'll be there latin america i'll be there one day but southeast asia just holds my fucking heart right now if it's good to you don't give it up right for real now track number 10 do what i want First line, gotta get in the mood. For that one, how did you get in the mood? I don't know. That <laughs> that first like little thing, that was that meant nothing to the grand scheme. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of like I was really just in the studio just being hella silly because it starts off in kind of like this like sexy kind of like, it sounds like it's going to be an R&B song and then it fucking switches up. But it was just me just like pressing record, getting to the mic and just kind of like readying myself up, kind of like sung that thing out. And you can see at the end, you can hear I laughed, you know what I'm saying? And I just decided to keep it in because I was like, okay, this is a long ass intro and I'm not sure like, what I'm gonna say here. And so I was just really just fucking around on that like that very, very beginning part. Um, and I just decided to keep it because it sounded good and it was kind of funny too. <laughs> it worked. Then we get to what you need with satire. Right before my eyes, man, it's crazy as fuck and I can't wrap my head around it. I'm so astounded. Baby, I got yeah. what you need, need. if you want some, if you want some, yeah. He is another person who's out of this world. I just saw him at the Happiness of Pursuit Festival in October, and it's an experience. For that one, who wrote the hook? He did, actually. Had you sent him your verses, or what did you say to him? Like, how did the collab come to be? So that actually happened. We were in a studio together. So shout out to Fareed. So I don't know if he's still under Fareed's management, but... At the time, Fareed was managing Satire and was down in L.A. Me and Gozi went down and I needed to do some podcasts. And so, like, I hit up Fareed, like, yo, you know, do you know anybody, like, that I can get a podcast with? So I did one with Derek, then I did one with Satire. And then later on that night, Fareed had also set up, like, a studio session for us. 
I think it was through like one of Satire's homies. And Fabe, shout out to Fabe, he produced the beat, but it was a beat that he had already produced, but Fabe's had his computer with him. Fabe's was with me as well this weekend. So we all four of us went to the studio, or all three of us, I should say, went to the studio. Fabe's went through a couple of beats. That one was like, oh no, this is the one. You know what I'm saying? That shit was fucking lit. A lot of Hennessy later, we made that song. So we made that song like in one night. Just one of those like one-off type of things. That's also a very old song. I had that song done hella long ago. It was like a little bit after No Time But To Mob. Yeah, so it was just like, you know, organic little one-off studio session. And I just sat on it until I was ready to put it out on the album. And Beautiful came along. And so... I love that you guys were in the studio together because it does feel so natural and organic. Like I said, the hook just really embodies us. And he's a good dude. I mm-hmm. really, really enjoy. Haven't talked to him since the album dropped. And I haven't heard like any of his music but randomly his song grammy came on my shuffle last night and i fucking love that song so shout out to satire yeah he's he's a super good dude super personable last track some of that keep it rolling let's have a party get naughty type of night you be like damn what the fuck i get myself involved in yes sir all pressure live my life to the fullest nothing lesser cause a ruckus give me fuck it down in Phuket. please get out my way because i'm about to hot duke and niggas losing and never that for me if you speak on my name speak factually look i can tell the good shit from the bad with ashley diamante can you introduce us to her? That's my cousin. That's not her first time doing music with me, but we did music way, way back in the day, you know? So, like, my early careers of, like, Beaches had music from her. Like, our biggest song is a song called Let the Beat Breathe. She took a break from recording. You know, life happened. She became a teacher and, like, all that type of stuff. And so she just kind of, like took a break from, like, recording all the time. And that was just another one of those things where it's, like, organically... She was like, cuz I'm ready to, I need to sing. Like, put me on some shit, please. The hook I had already sung, cause you know, she's on the back of like, she's singing what I'm singing. So I had already sung it and I knew it needed a lady's voice or at least like a better singer's voice, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh yeah, it's easy. Like, I got the perfect song for you to sing on. That the end, when we do that like little melody at the end, that was something that she came up with. And so and I sung on the back of that. For her. Yeah, so it was like, you know, it's organic family thing. Shout out to Wax Roof. He's the producer of that one. Yes, yes. And then in the hook, No Looking Back, I think that that can be interpreted a bunch of different ways. What does No Looking Back mean to you? Well, the whole song to me is, of course, it's like the conclusion to the story, right? So it's like I jumped out the window, took that risk, and I've now landed. And to me, my happiness is like, there's no expectation. I knew that jumping out the window was going to make me happy in some sense, but I didn't have like any expectations on where I was going to land or if I was going to go up or right or left or down. You know what I'm saying? I just kind of like jumped out the motherfucking window because I, I feel like in the sense of the concept, if I'm jumping out the window and trying to fly and like, let me try to like flap some wings. I don't got no fucking wings. I'm not going to fly. You know what I'm saying? Or if I have like the expectation to jump out and like fall to my death, but then I end up flying, I'm going to be unfucking happy. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, let me just jump out the fucking window and see what, what happens. And so it's just no looking back. Like my old life is back there. The unhappiness is back there. You know what I'm saying? Like the uncertainty is back there. It's just like, I'm just rolling with the punches. I'm really like living a free spirit life. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck it. There's no expectation. I'm not trying to control 
destiny i'm just like in water right now and you know like if you've ever been in like a big body of like natural water the waves are going to take you wherever the fuck they want to take you you know what i'm saying like in the current not fuck the waves because the waves are something you can see the current is going to take you so you can be in the water and you can be swimming wherever the fuck you want to swim wherever you think you're going you know what i'm saying but that, that current is going to take you where it wants you to go and so i'm just in the water floating and that's where I want to be. If I see an island over there, yeah, I might end up over there, but I, I don't know. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to lay back, float, and look up at the sky and, like, enjoy the sun beating down on my face. And wherever the fuck I end up is where I end up. And then if I end up on an island over here, but I saw that one, I'm going to enjoy myself at this island that I landed at until I'm ready to get back into the water and float again. And hopefully one day I might end up over there. But if I don't end up at that island, then it's all good because there's going to be a thousand more islands in this water that I'm in, you know? So it's no looking back. Yes. Not having expectations is so powerful because as we go through this journey of life, we learn that not having expectations is a huge part of happiness where it's just like, I'm not expecting to be happy. I'm going to hope, but I'm not going to expect it. And wow, there it is. I'm happy. So Beautiful is out now. Go stream it, buy it, get into it. Anything else you want to tell the people about Beautiful? Listen to it at first, of course, and digest it in your own way. Try not to listen to it through my eyes or my pen or through my voice, but just kind of like try to get inspired and like take something from it on your own sense you know like if you're listening to this and then you go listen to the album like you have the underlining concept or theme of the album is you know making that ultimate sacrifice to just live the life that you want to live so take that from it i don't know i just want people to like have that inspiration don't just go down a path that you feel is what you're supposed to do speaking from my own example like i always thought because i i set this goal to become a famous musician i thought that is what i needed to fucking work on at all times i haven't really publicly talked about this but i'm kind of like done with music and i felt since i've made that decision a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders right and a lot of my unhappiness came from music you know what i'm saying and so i started realizing that like why the fuck am i torturing myself am i torturing myself because one day after ten thousand hours of this shit I'm going to get to the fucking promised land. And I started realizing, like, I spent 10 years, more than 10 years doing this shit. And I, I don't want to spend another 10 years just doing this shit. And then traveling is another thing that, like, let me know that there's so much more to life than just trying to be a rapper. You know what I'm saying? And, like, a lot of my partners, I'm like, bro, come to Thailand with me, but I'm going to change your fucking life. Man, I don't want to go nowhere unless I'm going on some music shit. And I understand it. I understand that, that mentality, but it's like, because I had it, but I feel like I wasted so much of my life trying to fucking be this rapper, dude. You know what I'm saying? And so I'll never give up on music because being creative is something that is a part of my soul. But I don't know. Just don't be scared to, like, switch it up. You never know. Like, you might think that your unhappiness is coming from your job or your fucking baby mama or whatever. Like, but you might not realize that the things that you think is going to bring you happiness one day might be the thing that's causing you not to be happy right now. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I relate to that on a level that I can't even go into right now because I would be a whole other podcast. <laughs> but just know that those words have so much power and that realization has so much power. We spend years trying to do things and then we come to a conclusion like, oh, wait, what? Right. So, yeah. yes. And 
on top of that, I'm so excited that in my interpretation, now you're really just going to be making music when you want to and you're going to enjoy it more. And I cannot wait to hear what that sounds like because I think that that's such an incredible experience too. Life is good. And so I don't know what the fuck I'm going to be doing. I don't know if I'm even going to be Beejus anymore. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? I have no fucking idea, but I'm not forcing anything, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm just trying to stay happy and trying to just stay afloat in this fucking sea of shit, you know, that I'm going through. So I'm excited for whatever comes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And that's it. Thank you so much. The amount of insight and concepts and breakdown and just all of it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I appreciate being able to explain it, you know, because I, I feel like I haven't. Even on my own podcast, I haven't like sat down and like broke it all down and, and things. So it's good to get it out in a long form sense, you know? Exactly. And thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. I got upcoming episodes with Rico G, Win, Mick Jenkins, Homeboy Sandman, and a lot more. And then reach out to me. Let me know what your favorite part was or just say hi. I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram it's at Special Says as well. As always, this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.